Chapter Seven of Consequences by E. M. Delafield. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. London season. Alex's first London season, from the very extravagance of her expectations, was a disappointment to her. Her own appearance, indeed, in her first ball dress, surprised and delighted her, and she stood before the great pier-glass in the drawing-room, under the chandelier which had been specially lit for the occasion, and gazed at her reflection with incredulous admiration. Her dress, in the height of the prevailing fashion, had been the subject of Lady Isabel's minute and careful consultations with Madame Marguerite of New Bond Street. Of stiff white satin, the neck was cut into a hard square, and the bodice, as it was still called, unsoftened except for a small draping of pleated white chiffon, held on the left shoulder with a cluster of dead white roses, which were repeated at the side of the broad white ribbon belt. The most prominent feature of the dress was the immensity of the sleeves, stiffened within by strips of petersham and standing well up from the shoulders. Thence the monstrous balloon-shaped things narrowed imperceptibly and were gathered in just below the elbow, leaving no hiatus visible between them and the mousquetaire white kid gloves. The skirt had no train, but fell into plain heavy folds, sweeping the ground, and with a slight additional length of tail, and a considerable additional fullness behind. A white ostrich feather fan hung by white satin ribbon from her waist. "'It looks charming,' said Lady Isabel delightedly. "'Better than your presentation frock.' The servants, who had respectfully petitioned through Lady Isabel's maid to be allowed to see Miss Clare in her ball-dress before she started, were grouped in the doorway, the long white streamers of the maid's caps contrasting sharply with their neat black dresses. Old Nurse, a privileged personage, was right inside the drawing-room, inspecting critically. "'I never thought you'd look so well, Miss Alex,' she observed candidly. "'They've hid your failings something wonderful, and your air and complexion was always good, thanks to the care I've took of them, that I will say.' "'Don't those shoes pinch, Alex?' asked Barbara, looking on enviously in her plain schoolroom frock and strapped shoes, with her hair still hanging down her back. Alex did not care whether her pointed white satin shoes pinched her feet or not. She was too happy in her first triumph. It was not quite a solitary triumph, for Sir Francis, after a prolonged gazing through his double eyeglasses that made her flush more than ever from nervousness, gave one of his rare smiles of gratification and said, "'Very pretty indeed. I congratulate you on your appearance, my dear child.' But it was to Lady Isabel that he turned next moment, with that sudden softened glance that he never bestowed elsewhere. "'How beautifully you've dressed her, my dear. You will be taken for sisters now that she is in long dresses.' The compliment was not ill-deserved, and Alex, watching her mother's exquisite flush, felt a vague dissatisfaction with her own maturity. She might be pretty, with youthful colouring and smooth skin, but she lacked the poise that added charm to her mother's beauty, and a struggling consciousness of that lack disturbed and vexed her. "'I think she's better without any ornament, don't you, Frances?' asked her mother critically. "'Some girls wear pearls, I know, but I never quite like it. Not the first year, anyway.' Her opera cloak over her shoulders, its cape-like outline and heavy turned-back collar of swan-down, adding to the already disproportionate width of the upper part of her person, Alex followed Lady Isabel into the carriage. She wore nothing over her head, for fear of disarranging the light Princess of Wales fringe curling on her forehead. 
That first ball remained in her mind as a medley of valse tunes, quadrilles, and jigging polkas, blazing lights and red and white flowers everywhere, and a sequence of strange young men brought up in rapid succession by the daughters of her hostess, and introduced in an unvarying formula, to which each responded by a bow and a polite request for the pleasure of a dance with her. Alex danced readily enough, but found conversation strangely difficult, expecting she knew not what profundities of intercourse which were never forthcoming. Her chief gratification was that of seeing Lady Isabel's pretty, pleased smile at the sight of her daughter dancing. "'Are you enjoying yourself, darling?' she asked several times as Alex returned between each dance to the row of gilt chairs against the wall. Alex said yes sincerely enough, but she was all the time reminded of that strange, disconcerting experience that had been hers a year or two earlier, when she had sought to persuade herself of a great success with the boy Noel Cardew. She boasted of her enjoyment of the ball to Barbara next day, and said that she had been so busy dancing that she had never gone down to supper at all. "'But that must never happen again,' Lady Isabel said, horrified. "'Girls do that sort of thing at first when they're foolish, and then they get overtired and lose all their looks and have no more good times.' It seemed the omega of disaster." Nevertheless, there were other balls when Alex did not go down to supper, sometimes because no one had asked her to do so. She nearly always had partners, for she danced reasonably, though not superlatively well, and introductions were still the fashion. But the number of her partners depended very largely upon the attentiveness of her hostess, or of her hostess's daughters. Young men did not always claim dances from her, although they had been amongst her partners at the ball of the week before, nor did many of them ask for two or three dances in one evening. Lady Isabel had said, Never more than three dances with the same man, Alex, at the very outside. It's such bad form to make yourself conspicuous with anyone. Your father would dislike it very much. Alex bore the warning carefully in mind, and was naively surprised that no occasion for making practical application of it should occur. She was intensely anxious to be liked and admired, and she strangely confounded the two issues in her own mind. Attributes such as her clear skin, her exquisitely kept hair, or her expensive frocks, she thought would promote interest in her amongst her fellow creatures, and to the same end she simulated an enthusiasm, which was so entirely foreign to her real feelings that it lacked any semblance of body, for the crazes of her immediate generation, centred in Planchette and in the publication of Barabbas, she was full of preconceived ideas as to that which constituted attractiveness, and in her very ardour to realise the conventional ideal of the day, failed entirely to attract. In intercourse with other girls, still in their first or second season, she slowly began to suspect the deficiencies in herself. "'I'm engaged for nearly every single valse at the Duchess's ball on Tuesday already,' a very young, childish-looking little creature exclaimed in Alex's hearing. Alex was astounded. What could the little thing mean? Nearly all my last night's partners will be there, and they've all asked me for dances, and some for two or three, said the child with ingenuous pride. Alex was frankly amazed. Lady Molly was not particularly pretty, and her conversation was the veriest stream of prattle. Yet she was asked to reserve the favour of her dances three days or four days in advance, and the experience was evidently no new one to her, although she had only come out a few weeks earlier than Alex. It was the same little Lady Molly who gave Alex a further shock by demanding of her very seriously, 
do you know a girl called miss torrance a girl with very fair hair she says she was at school with you queenie torrance oh yes said alex the old fervour rushing to her voice at the sudden memory of queenie who had left her letters unanswered of whom she had heard nothing for two years she's tremendously admired by some people said lady molly shaking her head with a quaint air of sapience i know two or three who rave about her mother says she's rather inclined to be fast i think people don't like her father very much and he generally takes her about you don't know them very well do you alex hastily disclaimed any intimacy with queenie's unpopular parent she felt disloyal to queenie for the eagerness with which she did so two nights later at one of the big evening receptions that alex enjoyed least of any form of entertainment miss torrance's name was again mentioned to her she was listening to the conversation of a brilliantly good-looking young german jew whose name of goldstein already spoken with bated breath in financial circles conveyed less to her inexperience than did the dark glowing eyes swarthy skin and the semitic curve of his handsome nose his voice was very slightly guttural and he slurred his r's all but imperceptibly as he spoke she found that conversation with him was exceedingly easy and translated the faint hint of servility in his deference as did most women not of his own race into sympathy with her utterances you think so you really think so he inquired gently when she expressed a banal admiration for the prettiness of some girl whose entry preceded by that of an insignificant couple had made a slight stir round the huge open doorway of the reception-room yes said alex emboldened by the interested look in the dark eyes which she kept upon her face as though finding it more worth while to gaze upon her than upon the entering beauty i have seen more beautiful faces than hers nevertheless he responded the eloquence of his look made alex feel as though she had received a compliment and she blushed as though to cover her shyness the young jew went on speaking i wonder if you know miss torrance miss queenie torrance she noticed that his throaty voice lingered over the syllables a little she was my great friend at school indeed what a delightful friendship for both if i may say so i think i may say that i also have the privilege of counting myself amongst the friends of miss torrance i haven't seen her since she left school said alex wistfully i should like to see her you spoke of beauty just now said the young jew deliberately to my mind miss torrance was the beauty of the season when she came out last year she felt faintly surprised but spoke hastily lest he should think her jealous although he had carefully emphasized the date of queenie's appearance into society i heard only the other day how much she was admired goldstein's dark face grew darker she is very much admired indeed he said emphatically perhaps she will be here to-night alex suggested thinking that she would like to see queenie grown up she is not coming to-night said goldstein with calm assurance are you going to the duchess's ball on tuesday but i need not ask alex felt unreasonably flattered at the homage implied rather than expressed in the tone and replied in the affirmative then you will see miss torrance oh i am glad said alex she felt rather elated at the success which her friend must have undoubtedly met with to be so much admired and she remembered with added resentment lady isabel's old inquiry torrance torrance who is torrance did you know that the girl i was at liege with queenie torrance came out last year and every one says she's lovely she demanded of her mother i'd forgotten you were at school with her 
i remember now said lady isabel thoughtfully who says she's lovely oh lady molly and everyone that mr goldstein i was talking to goldstein exclaimed her mother with infinite contempt she was silent for a little while and then said i've heard about the torrance girl men of a sort admire her very much indeed but i should be sorry if you copied her style alex alex felt more curious than ever blindly though she had adored queenie it had not occurred to her that she would be considered very pretty and she wondered greatly concerning the development of her old playmate when she did see queenie at the duchess's ball as goldstein had predicted lady isabel was not with her excess of fatigue had unwillingly constrained her to stay at home while sir francis bored but courteous escorted his eldest daughter in her stead they arrived late and stood for a few minutes in the doorway watching the kaleidoscopic scene of colour and movement in the great illuminated ballroom alex's attention was attracted by a group of men all gathered near the door and prominent among them goldstein his eager searching gaze fixed upon the broad stairway without up and down which innumerable figures passed and repassed from the sudden lightning flash in his ardent black gaze not less than from a sort of movement instantly communicated to the whole group alex guessed that he had focused the object of his quest the announcement made at the head of the stairs was inaudible amid the crashing of dance music but alex recognized the entering couple in a flash colonel torrance white-haired with black moustache and eyebrows upright and soldierly still had changed less than queenie she looked much taller than alex had imagined her and her graceful outline was fuller but she moved exquisitely her very fair hair at a time when every woman wore a curled fringe was combed straight back from her rounded brow leaving only the merest escaping curls at either temple and gathered into the ultra-fashionable jug-handle knot on the top of her head she wore a wreath of tiny blue forget-me-nots that deepened the tint of her grey-blue eyes and the colour was repeated freely in the deep frills and ruchings of her white decollete dress of an elaboration that alex instinctively knew her mother would not have countenanced turquoises were twisted round the white full column of her throat and clasped her rounded arms alex watched her eagerly every man in the little waiting group was pressing round her claiming first possession of her attention the faint, remotely smiling sweetness of Queenie's heart-shaped mouth recalled to Alex with extraordinary vividness the schoolgirl at the Liège convent. Goldstein, his eyes flaming, stood demonstratively waiting with insolent security in his bearing, while she dispensed her favours right and left, always with the same chilly, composed sweetness. The music which had ceased broke into the lilt of the blue Danube, and on the instant Goldstein imperiously approached Queenie, she swayed towards him still smiling slightly and they drifted into the throng of dancers alex turned round with a sort of gasp what it must feel like to be the heroine of a ballroom triumph to know that a dozen men would count the evening worth while for the privilege of dancing once with her that they would throng in the doorway to watch and wait for her coming some of them remained in the doorway still watching her dance the folds of her dress and her great white fan gathered into one hand, her white heavy eyelids cast down under her pure open forehead, and Goldstein's arm encircling her waist as he guided her steps skilfully round the crowded room. Alex saw that Sir Francis, his double eyeglass raised, was also watching the couple. "'I wonder who that remarkably pretty woman is, 
of whom young Goldstein is very obviously enamoured. Alex felt oddly that Sir Francis supposed Queenie to be of maturer years than she in reality was. It's Queenie Torrance, father. She was at school with me, Alex repeated. I've not seen her since she grew up, but she's only about a year older than I am. Indeed. Curiosity as to the unanimity of masculine judgment made Alex appeal to him with a question. Do you think she's pretty, father? Exceedingly striking. Beautiful, in fact, said Sir Francis. Queenie was not beautiful, and Alex knew it, but the glamour of her magnetic personality was evidently as potent with older men as with young Goldstein and his contemporaries. Alex felt a curious pang, half of envy and half of wonder. Sir Francis put down his glasses. A pity, he said deliberately, that she is not altogether... and raised his grizzled eyebrows. End of chapter 7